Welcome to another episode of Running on Optimism, the podcast for amateur runners, or really anyone, channeling their inspiration to face challenges in running and life. I'm your host, Sonia Rita. In today's episode, I speak with Denny Cray, run coach and host of the podcast, Diz Runs Radio. Denny, I think like a lot of runners I've spoken to, kind of fell into running, or in his case, stumbled through a Disney marathon in 2012, incredibly undertrained, swearing he would never do that again. Spoiler alert, he found his way back to running and has made it his full-time job. He is a self-proclaimed type B minus personality, as in totally not a type A, and he harnesses that attitude in his coaching to help others achieve their running goals. I was actually going through a little more deeply into your blog and everything and have like so many questions, but um, I think that... uh, that we'll start with we'll start with the the classic question and it's kind of something that you go over in your podcast too every runner has a story and so now it's your turn what's what's your story um so i i um was definitely that guy that didn't like running but you know played other sports in high school and things like that and so it was just like running was something that you sort of did to get ready for the actual real sport um but by the time I really kind of, I guess what, what really got me into running uh, was when I was in, in grad school, uh, I was working with the track and cross country team at Middle Tennessee State University. And so like the way that, that our practices worked, there was very loosey goosey. It was kind of like show up and run when you want, like when it fits your schedule based on class schedule work, whatever, whatever all the athletes, you know, had going on. Um, and so I was, I was the athletic trainer. So I kind of had to be there to stretch and do whatever odds and ends and things that were, were needed or, or at least were requested. And I would be sitting at the track, um, you know, from like December when indoor track started until whatever may, when the track, the outdoor track season was wrapping up from like two to six, one thirty to, to six every, every day. And, um, eventually it was just like, I was so bored. Like I would finish my, my grad school work or I'd be fit, you know, reading whatever books I was reading or, or, you know, whatever, talking to people, like whatever. And there were some days where I was just so bored. I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to run for a couple laps, you know, whatever. Like I just, just passing the time. People are sitting around stretching, hanging out. I'm not really supposed to leave while there's athletes that are still there. Uh, so whatever, if I, if I start running, if they see me running, maybe that'll kind of cue them to, to wrap things up and get on with, with their day. So I can, I can go home or go to class or whatever I had next on the agenda. And, uh, over, over the course of those couple of years that I was there, it went from something that I was just doing because I was bored to like, and maybe cause I was probably because I was around a bunch of runners anyway. So, you know, you just get that running conversation going on, even though they were light years, more advanced, faster, more fit, whatever, but just started actually enjoying it. And we'd go to, to away meets and based on the, the schedule of the track meet, like I might have a couple people early in the morning and then nobody else until two o'clock in the afternoon. And that, you're just kind of stuck at the meet for six hours or eight hours or whatever. And so it was like, well, you know, I'm at Georgia tech or I'm at Auburn university or whatever the different places we were, I'll just go run around campus for an hour and kind of tour and check out the buildings. And you know, if there's any architecture or look at Greek row or wh- whatever kind of nonsense was going on. And then I started like looking forward to it. And I would, you know, it's just, it's just, that is where it really started to grow on me was when I was in grad school and I, I actually kind of looked forward to it. Um, and then I had some of my, my runners that were, were, you know, my athletes at the school that were, were planting the seed of like, 
you should run a, you should run a race. You should do a 5k. You should do a 10k. Um, and I don't know that I really listened to him, but at least got the gears turning enough that it was like, I kind of like this. And then you find yourself in the rabbit hole and, and here we are, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, something like that. And figuring out how deep it actually is. And no, no, uh, no, re- no real regrets about, uh, you know, diving into this running world and, and making it something that's, that's a pretty big part of my life these days. It's terrifying that you say 10 or 12 years, like 10 to 12 years later, because I was looking at your, your blog and it, uh, you started running in about 2012. Right. And I can't believe that that was 10 years ago, just sidebar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was my first marathon was in 2012. I was at, I was at middle Tennessee from, you know, fall of 07 through the, the spring of, of 09, I guess, or whatever, however, those, those academic years work out. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, actually say 2012 like that's that's inaccurate i ran my first marathon in january of 20 of 2010 it was right after we moved back to florida but i didn't like fully embrace running like as far as like calling myself a runner really uh and enjoying it until 2012 and so yeah it's been it's been 10 10 years now that i've really been like yes i'm a runner and i enjoy running and i i I, you know have running goals and um i guess wow time time does fly i guess it's 12 years since i ran my first marathon so you can you can peg me as a runner whenever you want to in that window but that's that's where we are so that's a really uh, interesting thing. Um, one of the things that I always like to talk about is if you put on sneakers and you go for a run, you're a runner. So it's funny that you ran a marathon um, in 2010, but you really didn't consider yourself a runner until 2012. Was there somewhere in between there that you realized, wow, I did this really huge thing. I, I actually am a runner. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that there was like a, a you know, a light switch, like a, a today I'm not and, and, and or yesterday I'm not and today I am type of, of scenario. But I, I think that, that for me, the, the classification was or the, the, the differentiating factor was that um, prior to, I guess, 2012, when I would say that I started to really consider myself a runner. I kind of mostly just would run when I had a race. And then if I didn't have a race coming up, I didn't really run at all. So there was that lack of consistency or it wasn't like a regular part of my routine. So it wasn't that I would have said I'm not a runner, but I wasn't like a runner runner to me in in my definition. And and I'm totally on board with, if you run, you're a runner. I agree with that. Um, But with where I was at that time, it was like, oh, I I signed up for this marathon. It was the Disney marathon. It's just down the street from where we live. And so it was like, oh, yeah, I should, I, you know, I should probably start training for that. And my training was terrible and, and the race reflected that. And then I was like, oh, I'm never running a marathon again. And the next year, you know, kind of same thing. I like, go, oh, I'll, I'll do the, like, you know, it, it worn off enough that I was like, oh, I'll try it again. Um, and it didn't train much better and it was still terrible. Um, but as, as I kind of learned from those experiences and I got into, into 2012, like that was the year I set a, a goal for running miles for the year and, and, really broke it down to the point of like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, that means I need to run whatever it was like 15 miles a week. And so I need to run four days a week and just kind of, it became routine. It became something that wasn't like, oh, you're running again. What race are you training for? It was just like, oh, I'm, I mean, it's Tuesday. So I need to go get, you know, uh, uh, go get my, my three miles in for today and, and keep things moving in that direction. Um, and so I guess for me, that was, that was the distinction for me personally. And certainly again, not saying anybody else needs to follow that, that guideline, or that's a rule for anybody else. That was just for me, it was, it's a regular thing that I'm doing now race or no race. Like it's part of my routine. And so at that point I was like, I guess, I guess I really embraced the label of runner, even though I probably didn't not embrace it. I didn't unembrace it in embrace, whatever the, the opposite of embrace is. <laughs> um, I didn't do that before that, but I don't know that I would have labeled myself as a runner until it really became a regular part of my, my routine. 
That's really interesting and so relatable because, um, you know, I ran my first 5K in 2015 um, and, you know, I trained for that race and then I kind of ran between that one. We ran the same 5K for Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation every, uh, every year. Um, so between November of 2015 and November of 2016, I kind of ran, but as the, um, as a race approached, I would run more and actually train. And it's such an interesting thing that somewhere along the line, I, I thought, Hey, I'll do more races. And I actually, I'm just going to run for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, now, now I'm sitting here thinking like, I wonder if that was part of the reason it took me so long to embrace the title of runner. Mm -hmm. Um, so just something for me to nosh on later today as I'm going for, for a five mile run. So what keeps you running? Oh man. How, how long do we have? Like <laughs> <laughs> as long as you need, as long as we need, well, this is, we, we, we buckle up, get refill your coffee cup. We might be here for a minute. I've got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like for me, and, and again, this is something that's, that's maybe been a, at least a decade in the making, but, um, you know, my first impulse or my first response is that it just, it just makes me uh, like a better person. It's, it's my, whatever my pressure, you know, valve release valve type of situation. Um, there's, is kind of a joke in, in our house, or, or at least I, maybe it's a joke on my podcast. Maybe it's not so much in the house, but that if I don't go for a run for a few days, like my wife will just kick me out, you know, don't come back for an hour, you know, <laughs> and, and then, you know, you'll be back to being a normal human being again. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that we've ever gotten to that point. But I think that we haven't never really gotten to that point because I know that like, if I'm getting a little bit testy or a little bit short or impatient or whatever, whether it's with my wife or with my daughter or with my dog or with all three of them or, or with just myself or whatever the case might be, it's like, well, at least tomorrow morning, I'm going to go for my run. Maybe I'm going to go right now, depending on where we are, where we are and what's going on. Um, but it's just like, like if I do that and I'm routine with that with getting the, the miles in getting, you know, even if it's just a, just something short, which for me a short would be a two or three mile these days. Um, but you know, like even one mile, half mile, like it's just something to get out, move fresh air, endorphins, all that type of thing is enough to, to make me more, more patient, more understanding, less irritable, all those types of things in, in day-to-day -day life and family life. Um, so I feel like that's, that's the biggest reason that, that, you know, that, that I'm still running and, and why it's so important to me. Um, and it's now it's kind of become not kind of like it has become my career as between doing my podcast and coaching and, and various other bits and bobs and things that, that are adding, adding into the mix all the time. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just something that has gone from something I didn't like doing at all to something that it's, it's work, it's leisure. It, you know, my, my wife and I will run together once in a while. So there's some family, family time to get, like, it's just, it's, it's so all encompassing that I can't even begin to think about pulling myself out of running at this point. Like it's, and, and who knows, who knows what the future holds, but right now it's, it's in so many layers of my life that it's just like, it makes me a better person, but it's also like, I don't really have an option to not run. I don't think, or at least be around running right now, which is, which is not a bad thing. Like I'm, I'm really happy about that. It's, um, very similar to my husband when he hasn't gone for a run. I'm like, you need to go. I'm like, you just please, <laughs> yeah. dear God, you need to leave, go for a run. We'll be better for an hour by ourselves to have you back at that point. And it's, it's like I said, it's the same here for sure. 
It's so true. Uh, sometimes for myself too. And I don't even realize that I think I have more of a check on, on when I'm getting upset or frustrated and I can remove myself. Um, for him, removing himself means like physically going out and removing yourself from the situation and, and come back. And he comes back and sometimes he'll go for his early morning runs and neither myself nor my daughter are morning people. And um, he'll come back from his runs and we're just getting up on the weekends. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm back. How are you? We're like, oh, <laughs> just trying to wake up, just trying to wake up. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's got like all the happy feelings and the endorphins coursing through him. So tell me a little bit about your coaching and your coaching style. I have talked to a lot of coaches and I feel like the ideas are often similar but the way you execute those ideas can be really, really different. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely, I, I believe, you know, in my experience, that's, that's absolutely the case. And that, you know, like, like for the most part, and, you know, you find different people that have different thoughts, but the general principles tend to, to cross lines of whatever your, your philosophy is in terms of like, I'm, I'm for myself, very much heart rate training based, uh, kind of the Maffetone, Phil Maffetone type of style of basically, I don't want to say never, but very rarely do I go above a certain heart rate level that, that, uh, I kind of class as easy, uh, working on my aerobic fitness every once in a while, I'll do a hard workout or on, of course on race day, all bets are off and you're just hammering. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as a coach, I'm, I'm very much into effort. So sometimes some people are, are as all in on heart rate as I am. Some people looking at their watch all the time and having things beep and tell them they need to slow down or walk or whatever, because their heart rate's getting too high is, is more stressful than they want it to be, which of course keeps the heart rate higher and, and which kind of makes it makes the process, you know, kind of go in the wrong direction anyway. And it's just not fun. So, you know, I, I, I've had a couple of people ask like, if I, if I, you know, were to work with you, are you going to make me do heart rate training? Like, no, no, but I am going to really stress that you need to run easy once in a, like most of the time. Uh, you know, we'll do some workouts and we'll, we'll push the pace and, and we'll do some things, but, um, building that, that foundation, that, that base with, with just, you know, some easy, low stress miles is, is pretty important to me. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, kind of bleeds into my, my just coaching style anyway, is pretty, pretty laid back. Um, I, I have said a few times that I'm pretty type B minus, which is kind of an outlier in the running community. I feel like everybody, so many runners are, are so type a and like, you know, yeah, everything has to be to the, to the T and, um, sometimes there's a little bit of, of an adjustment period or a feeling out period for, for myself and the folks I work with, because they want me to tell them, you know, exactly 27 minutes and exactly, you know, 10 minute and 12 second pace. And I'm like, you know, 30 ish minutes and something that's comfortable. And so we got to, got to get on the same page and get our, get our wavelengths, uh, aligned to make sure that we're both speaking the, the a language that works for both of us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it's something I've been doing now for, uh, gosh, I guess five or six years and the last like four, it's been my, my full-time, full-time gig, uh, you know, it took a couple of years to kind of build things up to where it was, uh, able to, to sustain enough for the family. And, um, and that's where we are. And it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, 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 uh, been really cool to, to get to know some folks. And I've got a, a few folks that have been around one guy, one, one gentleman in particular that's, you know, been around since day one. Uh, one of, one of my first, uh, you know, the first day I hung the, the shingle out and said, Hey, I don't know, like if anybody would might want a coach, like I, I I'm going to try it and, and see what happens and you can help me kind of figure things out. And, and he signed up and he's still, you know, six years later going strong. And, and a lot of folks, um, I've had for three or four years. So it's really like, I say all that to say, it's been cool to get to know people and, and really 
like I said, I mean, our, our wavelengths get synced up, you know, usually within a, a month or two. And now we're at, you know, month 48, month 50. And it's like, I know, I know I've met some of their kids. Like they come to Disney on vacation and I've gone and, and like, you know, my family, we have annual passes. So we'll go up and we'll see them for a little bit and try not to ruin their vacation, but hopefully, you know, at least say hi or go up and run with them in the morning. And I've made a couple trips at four o'clock in the morning to just go run for an hour so that they're getting their run in before they go and, and enjoy the parks and things like that with, with their kids for the day. Or, you know, just, just having conversations regularly over the course of years, you get to know work stuff and family stuff and, and life stuff. Um, and so it's, it's been really cool to have these, these folks that come on in a very much coach athlete, coach client relationship. And we still have that, but we also have now just, you know, Denny and, and whoever friendship relationship and, and, um, you know, something that I would never would have thought I was going to do. And yet here we are. And, and again, you know, just like running, never thought I would be as, as all in on running as I, as I could be. I, I can't really see a scenario where I'm, I'm, you know, not going to want to keep having these relationships and, and helping folks out and celebrating their victories and, uh, you know, lamenting a little bit when things don't go well, uh, for, for various reasons and, and, um, trying to figure that stuff out and, and how to make it better next time. And, uh, it's just been, it's just been a joy, but, but yeah, I'm not for everybody that my, my low key thing, it doesn't always work for everybody. And I get that. Um, and, and thankfully there's, there's lots of, of really great coaches out there and, and my peers in the industry. Um, and so it's all it really, I guess, to kind of get back to your question, I feel like it's really all about the fit. I mean, yes, there's, there's some folks that maybe don't know as much or what, you know, and I don't mean to talk bad, but like, I might know everything, but if we can't relate, we're not going to have a good coach and athlete relationship. You're not going to get the most out of it. You're not going to, you know, succeed and, and reach your goals and, and things like that. And so finding that personality, that, that person behind the knowledge that works best with you is, is 90%, maybe, you know, whatever, I'm going to pull a number out, but like, like so it's a very much uh, a key component to having a good coach relationship and, and really see that progress is that you and the coach vibe. And, um, and that's why, again, thankfully there's so many very good coaches out there that have different styles and philosophies and ways of communicating and things like that. And so just got to find the right fit. And, and then hopefully, you know, you can lock in. And if you find somebody that's good and three or four or five years later, you're still working with them. Well, then you're, you're like, hopefully that means you're seeing some really good progress and, and, you know, keep on keeping on. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause I think a lot of people, um, are intimidated by the idea of getting a coach. It's kind of like showing up at the gym and you're like, Oh, what am I doing here? What am I going to do? Um, I'm not sure I fit here. So it's a really good point that, uh, for anybody who's on the, on the market for a run coach, um, there are so many, but at the same time, there's really maybe a handful that, that work for you and your style. So you just kind of have to go with what works. And I think it's also important. Um, I've spoken to a lot of coaches. Nobody's going to be offended if they're not the right fit for you. No, no, definitely not. And, and I, I'll, I, you know, for whatever my experience is worth my, my N equals one, I would rather figure out before we got started that maybe it's not the right fit. Um, not that it's a, it's a major problem, but like, you know, when, when, when I'll take on a new, a new runner and we're trying to get things figured out, like, like, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into that as there should be, you know, you're, you're getting to le learn somebody and, and figure out their, their situation and all those types of things. But if we already kind of know before we even got started that it might not be a good fit, I'd rather just not spend all that time and effort to try to get things figured out that we, you know, 
six weeks later, it's like, yeah, we kind of knew this wasn't going to be a good fit anyway. So, so yeah, you know, take the time to ask the questions or, you know, read their, their blogs or listen to their podcast or watch their YouTube videos or whatever, interact on social media, like whatever it is to kind of get a feel for can, do we have at least a fighting chance to be able to work together? Um, and if not, you know, it like, you know, I feel like I've said this other places, but you know, if, if you want me to tell you, and I kind of said it here, if you want me to tell you to the letter, every second needs to do this and you need to do this exact and this exact, like we're not going to work. We're, we're not going to, and that's okay. And, yeah. and we can still be friends and we can still follow each other on social media and this and that and the other, but we're not going to work well together. So don't, you know, it'd be, you'd be better off finding somebody that, that is going to program things a little bit more to your liking. And, and yeah, if, if, if a coach is going to be offended or, or get ugly because you're like, I don't think we might be a good fit, then that's, to me, that says more about the coach than anything else anyway. And that's probably not the type of person that you're going to want to work with long-term. So, you know, catastrophe may be averted in that situation. So true. So true. And I think, um, the consensus in the running community is we're all just cheering each other on. None of us are, um, I mean, I'm not going to the Olympics as a runner. (laughs) Um, and most of us are not going to the Olympics as runners. Um, but, uh, so we just want, we just want to cheer each other on. Right. Right. And, and, you know, and whatever your reason is for running, whatever your goals might be like, that's, that's fine. And it's not better or worse. If your goal is to just run and, and have fun and enjoy the social dynamic versus trying to qualify for Boston or, or anything in between or set new PRs or whatever the case might be. Um, and yeah, when, when every once in a while, there's those, there's those voices that are saying, you know, Oh, so-and-so is lesser than, or not as good as, or like just block unfollow, move on. Yeah. Uh, because thankfully the, the running community for the most part, by and large is very much just, Hey, I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing, but we can support each other. And if we see each other at a race, we can cheer each other on and, and, you know, grab a, a cup of coffee afterwards or whatever the case might be. And that's, that's why, uh, for the most part, the running community is, as far as I'm concerned is the best community because it's just all the other stuff for the most part, doesn't matter. It's like, Hey, you run I, back to what we said earlier. You run, I run, Hey, we can be friends and, and, and move on. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, I, when I started running, uh, my pace was about three minutes on average, slower than what my pace is now. Um, and even my pace now might be someone's slow pace, even though I've made personal improvement. Absolutely. And it also is somebody's, I wish I could someday, maybe in the best day case scenario, run that fast. And I think that's something that we always compare down like, oh, I'm less than, but there's plenty of people that would I don't want to say they'd give the right leg because then they might not be able to run at all, but, <laughs> but they, they would, they would love to run your slow, terrible, worst case scenario pace would be their best ever. And it doesn't matter where you are on the scale. Like, you know, the guys running two Oh fours wish they could run Kipchoge's pace, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, and he's, and he's, I, I would, you know, not that I know him, but I would imagine he's going, yeah, I mean, but like, it's such a razor's edge between my two flat and, 205 and like, you never know. And so it's just, you know, there's always people that are going to be faster than you, always people that are going to be slower than you. And that's okay. Yeah. And I have a special admiration for Kipchoge. Um, I'm, you know, he getting into like runners and stuff. He reminds me a little bit of, uh, or his message reminds me of why I run. And it's because I want to prove to myself and to my daughter, um, 
that we can do anything. And that's his whole thing too. His thing is we are limitless. And um, yeah, so I'm sure he knows that somewhere along the line, somebody's going to get faster than him. It's kind of like uh, Sean White. He put all those huge tricks out there knowing that he was putting himself out there to be bested. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you're at the highest level, like that's, that's always going to be the case and that's, and that's okay. You know, if you, if you really enjoy competition, like that's the spirit of competition, whatever the discipline is right there. Yeah. Well, we digress. I just like, those are two of my favorite athletes. They're, they're amazing. Um, So back to your running. Um, Cause we kind of glossed over this first marathon that just kind of happened. Um, and we didn't even talk, did you do five K's and 10 K's? How did you get to this first marathon and then decide, Hey, I want to put myself to do that again. <laughs> um, well, so, all right, here we go. This is, this is, <laughs> it's a story that's been told. It's not, it's not a story that, that, uh, you know, really paints me. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't paint me in a bad light, but it's just, oh, if I knew then what I knew now kind yeah. of stories. Um, so we had, I set the timeline. We had finished up in Tennessee in grad school, working with the track and cross country team, like May, June of 2009. And we moved back down to Florida. And like, before we had gone up there, I'd kind of like, you know, Disney marathon, like, like it wasn't what it is now. I mean, it's not as quite as big of a deal. It didn't sell out instantly. Those types of things like it has more recently. Um, and I was like, well, you know, like we live 40 minutes away. It's pretty close. I'm a Disney fan. Like, I'm kind of getting into running and, you know, I've run some, some six milers and some eight milers and like not races, but just, you know, I've, I've done some of those types of distances, like maybe the Disney half marathon, like that would be, that'd be cool. And so, you know, it was, uh, kind of check out the the website and I don't know if it was, it was July, August, something like that. And, uh, the half marathon was sold out, but the full marathon had some, you know, still had availability and knowing myself, I was kind of one of those, like, if I don't do it now, I'll forget to sign up for the half marathon next year and I'll be, it'll be August again. I'll go to sign up and it'll be just the full marathon that's available. And so like, whatever, bite the bullet. Like, you know, if I can do a half, I can do a full, right? Like it can't be, it can't be that big of a deal. Um, so, and, and at that point I didn't even know if I could do a half, but I just figured I, I would be able to, so whatever I, I can do, I can do a full. So, you know, I go to sign up and there was this whole not section, but there was this, this question or this, this spot to fill in for proof of time. And I had no idea what that, what that was and, and what it, what it meant. Or, I mean, I was, I was as green as it comes in terms of, of actually running. I think I'd done like one 5k or something like that to that point. Um, and, uh, it's like, Oh, all right, well, I need to run a 10 K so I can have a time that I can submit. So, you know, kind of figure out what that means and how that, that places you in the, in the corrals and whatnot. Um, and so there was a 10 K in town for, I don't know, whatever, somewhere in the fall that fit, in the, in terms of being able to, to submit it in time to, to, uh, get the proof of time for Disney. So I signed up for the marathon, ran this 10 K, um, and, and I ran it in like just under an hour. Um, and was like, yeah, I mean, if I can do a 10 K in an hour and a 10 K is about a quarter of a marathon and, and like four hours and 30 minutes, that should be no, no problem for, Mm -hmm. uh, the marathon. And so I submitted my time and I got like corral B or something like that, which is up towards the front. You know, it's like ABC and, and all the way to like, O or P or something like that at, at Disney at that time. And so, um, you know, whatever, like, like, all right, so I got my corral, got my, my proof of corral or proof of time situation sorted, uh, better keep, keep training for this, this race. And so I, you know, did a couple of 10 milers and I did like a, a 12 miler and, um, 
the week before the marathon, I did a 14 miler and that was my longest run leading up to, to the marathon. Um, I really wasn't running other than my weekly long run. Like that was, that was basically the entirety of my, my mileage. Um, and, and I can legitimately tell you that after that 14 miler, I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I've gone more than half. Um, you know, this marathon is, is in a week or in seven days or, you know, nine days or whatever the, however the exact calendar worked out. Um, got nothing to worry about. Like, like just cruise along, you know, like, and, and it's not like the 14 miles were easy. Like by the end of the 14, like I was dragging, walking the last little bit, like couldn't really run anymore, but had somehow convinced myself or, or ignorance was probably bliss was more likely the scenario that like, if I could do, if I could suffer through 14 then then whatever, that's more than halfway, like it's all downhill at that point. And so go to the race, um, you know, f- still fully feeling like four and a half hours was going to be, you know, I mean, not that big of a deal. Like it, it should probably be fine. Um, and, and the way the course was then, and I, I believe it's the way it is now, but it's, it's changed. The course changes a little bit year to year. It seems like. Um, but you kind of started on this back road and you run out and then you run back into Epcot before you kind of start making the loops through all the rest of the parks. And so I'm going out and like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep an eye on my watch. And, and again, like this is, this is rookie runner, knowing nothing, like just making all the mistakes and, um, like, all right, yeah, about 10 minute pace. Like that's, that's, that's feeling pretty good. And we come in and you get through like the first mile and then you start heading back into Epcot and there's this like every, like all the spectators are there and they're just lined up along this, this stretch and it kind of narrows the path. So like, even though there's the runners have started to sort of maybe spread out a little bit, it kind of congests everybody back in and everybody's screaming and, ah. and so I'm just like cruising right along figuring like, yeah, I'm still, you know, just going to my, my little normal average pace, no big deal. And, um, we get underneath the, the, the ball at Epcot, you know, the big Epcot ball. And, uh, I look down at my watch and I, f- I feel like I might've even slowed down a little bit. And I look down at my watch, it's like seven 30, uh, it was my pace. And it was just like, Oh, like that's way faster than I like way faster than I want to be going. And even then like the warning bells weren't going off. It was just like, Oh, well, like, like I just didn't know anything. So I was just yeah. like, Oh, I'll just slow back down. It'll be fine. And, um, I did, I did, I don't know that I was right on my, my four and a half hour pace, but I was feeling pretty good into about uh, mile 16, 17, something like that. And that was just where the wheels completely fell off. Um, it was, it was a, a cold day that day. And it's not, not a cold for Florida day. I mean, it was a cold for Florida day, but it was a cold, like 31 degrees was the oh, high wow. for that day type of day. So, um, my, even my, my Michigan roots, uh, I grew up in, in Michigan, like, like that's, that qualifies as cold. Now maybe not cold for January in Michigan, but objectively 31 degrees is always cold. Yeah. And, um, I'd stopped at whatever, 16, 17, something like that. And I'll blame it on this, but I don't think that was really the problem. Um, cause I saw my wife and I had sweatpants on. I was like, well, here, like I'm feeling pretty good. Like I'm, I'm not hot, but I'm not cold. So I stripped my sweatpants off and, and gave those to her and, and somewhere between like stopping and trying to finagle sweatpants over, over shoes. Um, or just the fact that my training was so substandard and now I'm at mile 17 and, and, uh, those last nine plus miles were just like walk of shame, misery. And now I'm cold. I don't have pants on anymore. Um, and just like trying to run, but like not able to run at all. Um, and just, you know, nine miles of this is the dumbest thing I've (laughs) ever done. And, uh, I will never do this again. And running is stupid and marathons are stupider. And 
this is just terrible. Um, and I, 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 I was unwilling to quit, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, so I made it through and ended up at five and a half, five hours and 35 minutes, something like that. Um, which was objectively fine, not bad at all for a first marathon, especially as undertrained as I was, but, uh, just so angry, eh, angry, but just like over it. Um, and I probably didn't run for another three or four months. And then, you know, as peer pressure does, people were like, Hey, are you going to run Disney again this year? Like, I'm thinking about running it. You should do it. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, I guess, I guess it's, it's April. I could sign up. I'll have plenty of time to train for it. And then of course I didn't really train too much until October. Uh, but at least I've signed up for it in, in April, um, thinking it was going to be better. And, and the second round wasn't any, wasn't any better, uh, oh. but you know, whatever, I, I got it done a, a second time. Um, and then that was where things started to take off a little bit as far as like, maybe run more frequently. You don't have to run yeah. along all the time, but maybe, you know, a couple few miles, a couple times a week, like that might be helpful. Um, so yeah, yeah. there's, the, there's the long story of my, my terrible first marathon. There's so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. So you went out there and I mean, obviously you didn't run and you had no idea that like, maybe you might need something to eat in between, or like, were you just drinking the Gatorade that was out there? Did you cramp up? Like what, what happened? <laughs> um, that's, that's, those are, those are very good questions that I, that I'm not sure I really can, can even remember, remember what I was thinking at the time. Um, at some point, in one of those two, either the first or the second Disney, I can't remember exactly. I had gotten like a cheap hydration pack, uh, camelback knockoff type of thing from, from target and, um, was trying that. And it was, cause I mean, again, like I'm living in Florida. So like even in, in November, it's hot as, mm-hmm. as can be and, and, and heat is an issue. Um, and somewhere in the training for that, I was just like, like, the weight was throwing me off or something. It got in my head and I just, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. So I kind of like got rid of that for, for years. Um, so at some level there was some acknowledgement of fluids and drinking and, and, you know, Gatorades or whatever, making your own stuff and, and bringing it with you. Um, but I can honestly say, I can honestly say that I don't remember having any type of strategy, any type of do this, don't do that fuel at this point, this regularity, this, whatever, um, I just, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And that was one of the things that I definitely didn't know. And so on race day, um, it was kind of a drink at the aid stations, but again, like, especially for that first one, it was so bloody cold that I didn't feel like I was that mm. thirsty. Um, and there were several water stops where it was legitimately like slippery, like ice, like, I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the beginning forms of ice, it wasn't like, you know, totally iced out, but like you had to be a little bit careful through some of those spots where the water had spilled and it had been there for enough hours that it was starting to get uh, a little bit icy there. Um, so I'm sure I drank some, but it wasn't like two cups, every aid station or this or that or the other. There was, I don't think I took anything with me, um, in terms of, of carrying, um, you know, any type of fuel or gels or anything like I probably tried to gel. That was probably my first experience with a gel on race day was just like, they were handing them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the, the things that has stuck as far as I didn't like it then. And I still don't like gels. Like gels are not my, I am a consistency kind of guy when it comes to eating and there is nothing appealing about the consistency of a gel. Um, and if you, if you 
you know, are choking so much to get it down. It's probably not doing you a whole lot of favors anyway. So uh, I've definitely learned that gels are, are no, are no go for me. Um, but yeah, no cramping. I didn't run, I guess I didn't run long enough and it wasn't hot. So there was no real cramping issues by the time maybe they would have bought, you know, bubbled to the surface. I'd already started walking and gotten cold. So, you know, that was, that was, you know, just keep moving stiff and sore. Um, even towards the end, like, like things were just hurting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was no, no cramping that, uh, that comes to mind and no fueling strategy, even though there may have been something, but it was just willy nilly, nothing, nothing concrete. So after the second Disney, what you said, it just kind of clicked. What, what were the first steps? Did you start researching, uh, training plans? Um, did you just basically Google what went wrong? (laughs) (laughs) I I should have, um, I, it's somewhere, somewhere in there, I got a runner's world subscription and as uh, try not to, to rant on runner's world too much these days, but back then runner's world was, was pretty helpful. Uh, at least, at least for, for me and, and for what I didn't know clearly at the time, it was, it was, it was a good start of some good information for me. And, um, being around some, some folks who ran at least occasionally, um, and were Disney, Disney fans. So they were, you know, Disney was always a a race they were looking forward to running and then learning a little bit more about, about the sport. Um, after the second one, I decided I was done, I was done with full marathons. Like those are stupid, but maybe a half marathon, like maybe, you know, cause, cause kind of in both races made it through a half before the wheels really, really came off. And so it was like, well, maybe I could do maybe a half marathon would be okay. So that, that third year, which would be 2012, I signed up for the half marathon. Um, and, and between runner's world, between just, just learning enough and, and hearkening back to my, my days at, at MTSU with the track team and seeing them, I mean, they run every day and they, you know, they're not killing themselves every day, but they're out there getting a little bit of work done, et cetera, et cetera. Started to figure out like, all right, I need to train a little more consistently certainly need to be consistent with my long runs and build those up, you know, in a better way. And, uh, that half marathon in, in 2012 was, was relatively smooth sailing. I mean, it was, at that point it was my first half marathon. I'd done two full marathons had never done a, a standalone half marathon. Um, but it was just like, Oh, like this, this is, is how it's supposed to be. I don't remember my time. It was probably two twenty five or two thirty something like that. Um, but like, I felt good. I stopped for a couple of photos with the characters and it wasn't like I had to stop. It was just like, Hey, there's, there's goofy. I'll stop and get a picture with goofy and like, and just, and just enjoyed it. Um, and, and I think before the year started, but Disney marathon weekend, for those that aren't aware is like the first full weekend of January. So it's right at the beginning of the year. And I, I'd set this mileage goal. And so like, I went through the the half marathon feeling great. Um, and just kind of kept it, kept it rolling with just like, I need to run whatever it was, like I said, 15 miles a week or something like that. And it was just kind of chipping it away and feeling better, feeling more confident, continuing to read more, learning more. Um, and so it just, it, like, there was never a, a particular moment, but it was just kind of a snowball of like, you learn a little bit and then you ask somebody, you know, which is kind of what I'm hopefully on the other end of that now of, of helping folks figure some things out where it's just like, you ask a question and they're like, oh, well, this worked for me. You might try this and, and you might try that. And I know this works for other folks. Um, and just kind of one thing started to lead to another where instead of hurting at the end of every run and needing to ice up and like lay down and elevate your feet and all these things to try to, to make the aches and pains go away, it was like, oh, like if you do things a little bit differently, not push the pace super hard every time and, and not always run as long as possible, but like shut it down after three miles instead of going to the, your, your maximum of six or whatever, like 
it's a lot more fun and you make more progress when you're not breaking yourself down every single time. And so, I mean, that took me years to totally figure out, but that was kind of the starting point was, was after that second marathon and deciding to focus on the half for the following year. Um, and that kind of led to a really big marathon PR later that year. Um, because again, training, well, listening to your body, learning a few things made, made a, a, a just a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> tiny, tiny bit. And, and that's where you get hooked. It's when running no longer hurts and it actually is yeah. fun. That's and you see some progress, you. you know, whatever yeah. your goals are, just feeling like you're making progress that that helps too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important, like you said, to, uh, those easy runs have to be easy or else you're just going to kill yourself and it's not going to be fun. Mm, yeah. That's something that I am still working on like still like working on my gears, you know? Oh yeah. And it, it takes, it takes a while And, and the, the frustrating part, or at least the frustrating part that I've found both somewhat personally and, and coaching is that it takes a while to really see any progress when you're slowing down and running easy. Like, yes, you might feel better and you're not maybe as tired. And those types of things are, are not overlooked. You know, it shouldn't be overlooked, but when you have goals of you're trying to get to this time or, or whatever, uh, you want to see a certain paces, things like that. And you, you don't feel like you're making progress there. You're like, well, what, what's going on? But it, you know, if you just kind of keep sticking with it because you're feeling better and you're getting stronger and you're, you're getting more, more fit, mm-hmm. those times eventually start to tick down, but it's, it's an episode in patience. And, and again, some of those more type a folks uh, struggle with it, with that patience sometime when you're doing the work and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. It's the, you know, that adage, trust the process. Mm-hmm, you just got to sure. trust the process. So you grew up in Michigan. What brought you down to Florida? Uh, it was college. Um, I, I was looking for, um, you know, like, I don't know, I guess I, I feel like the conversation was something along the lines of with, with my dad was like, you can, you, you know, you can pretty much go to the handful of schools in Michigan that have the program you want to get into. Like you're accepted, like you got it. You've got good grades, like, like you're good, but you know, doesn't hurt to, to, to look around and see if there's other options out there. Like it was always kind of expected that I was going to stay in Michigan to go to college, but I guess my, my grades were enough that it was like, Hey, you know, cast the net and see what happens. And so it's, it's ridiculous to say as I graduated high school in 2000 and for people around, around our age, like you can remember that like the internet was a thing, but it wasn't the thing it is today. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, you, you, you might Google, you know, colleges that have an athletic training program. And like, I don't even know if the Google was really, I mean, Google was a thing, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't what it is now. Um, I probably Yahoo searched. Yeah. I was <laughs> trying to think, what was it? I think it was Yahoo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause I don't even think like the guidance counselors didn't really have like programs to look for other schools. And so it was just like a Yahoo search of, you know, colleges that had athletic training programs that were not in Michigan. And, and basically my criteria was I'm either going to go somewhere warm or I'm going to go to some cool city. So like I was looking at, at, a school in California, a school in Florida. Um, I think one in Chicago and maybe one in New York or, or, or something like, it was just going to be like, if I'm going to leave the state, I'm going to go somewhere fun. I'm not, no offense to those listening in, in Fargo, but like, I wasn't going to leave Michigan to go to Fargo for, for college. It just wasn't like, didn't make sense to me. And so, you know, I like reached out to like these four or five non-Michigan schools and, Florida Southern college was literally the only one that replied back, which again, you think about that now, if you have some prospective <laughs> student reaching out to you as in, a, in the admissions office, like you're not going to send them a follow-up email and here's some information and stuff. But like back then that wasn't, wasn't, I guess what happened, but they sent some information. Um, and the, the big deciding factor beyond just like, you know, high school kid in Michigan going, wait, I can go to school in Florida where like girls are at the pool all year round <laughs> instead of like, and, and there's a pool. 
that's outdoors, but, and you know, there's people there all year round. Um, but the slightly more advent or maybe the, maybe the, the bigger factor for my parents to say, okay, was that, um, when I got accepted, I was accepted into the athletic training program right away versus all the Michigan schools where it was after a year and a half, you then applied for your program and hopefully you got in. And so it was kind of one of those, like you're already in, they, they ponied up enough scholarship money that it wasn't a, much of a financial difference to go out of state versus in state. Um, and then I was like, yeah, and it's Florida. So Florida. Um, yes. <laughs> and so that was, that was a pretty easy slam dunk on my end. And so I, uh, I, I came down here at that point, not necessarily planning to stay forever. Um, but you know, college and Florida and, um, more or less been here other than the, the two years in grad school, um, in Tennessee. So it's, it's, I guess I hesitate to say it's, it's home because I'll, I'll never claim to be a Floridian, but I mean, it's, it's where I am these days. And so, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's home now. Yeah. Um, no, you're a Floridian. <laughs> You've been there long enough. It's whoa, like, whoa. <laughs> so I grew up in New York, um, the, the Bronx, and then we moved up to Westchester County and New Jersey was always the armpit of America. Mm. You know, the Jersey Turnpike and all of the, mm. you know, the oil refineries. I'm like, that state smells really bad, <laughs> like really bad. Um, but I've been here in New Jersey since 2009 and um you're a jersey girl now i'm a jersey girl i'm jersey girl raising a jersey girl oh man yeah, and it loud and proud love the garden state <laughs> my, my wife's from florida and so it's always we always have that little bit of uh you know this is this is these are your people down here not mine like i just live here you know these, these are not my people and she's like no you're one of us now and i'm no 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 no. i can still i can still go for a run when it's 40 degrees and wear shorts and so I, I'm, I'm not one of you because you people can't handle 60 degrees without your 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 scarves and your boots and things like that but that's a really good point it is a really good point my threshold is 50 for shorts my threshold I'll is pretty 15. much wear shorts anytime these days, but like, I will layer up if we start getting into the, into the lower forties, upper, upper, the upper half, like I'll have a, you know, something long sleeves and maybe a windbreaker or something like that. But, um, it's, Fair enough. it's hard pressed for me to have to wear pants and, and I'm firm in my belief that it's never too cold for flip-flops. Obviously not when I'm running, but day to day, like I wear flip-flops 365 days a year. And that's not an exaggeration. That's, that's just, even when it's, we have those random 32 degree days, it's like, well, like I'm still wearing flip-flops when I walk the dog because the dog doesn't want to be out there that long. And so we'll be okay. Yeah. Speaking of flip-flops, I don't know when I'll be able to wear flip-flops <laughs> after running my first marathon. I am not sure when my toes are going Oof. to be ready for those flip-flops. I've got no, one. I'm not vain enough to worry about my toe. My feet, I, I, I have hobbits feet and I am not <laughs> like, I, I don't like, you know, like point that out to everybody, but you know, whatever, like my feet are not sandal worthy, but that's, that's all right. We're, we're uh, comfort over, uh, fashion for me. Yeah. This, this one toe nail, and it just, I don't want to frighten anyone. It's, <laughs> it's been black. If people are, months. if people are looking at your feet, that's their own problem. That's, that's how <laughs> I do it. You know? Good point. Good point. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not big on pedicures anyway. So, you know, going to go out with my big black toenail and there you go. Embrace say it, it. Say it loud. Say it proud. That's right. So what sports did you, what, um, I think I saw hockey and, and football, soccer. Um, I, you know, hockey was like my sport in, in high school. Um, mm -hmm. that was, that was my main, my main thing through, through high school years growing up though. I played 
just about everything. Um, I definitely played, played soccer as a kid and, you know, kind of whatever was in season. So it was, it was soccer in the spring and it was baseball in the summer and it was, um, you know, flag football or whatever in the, in the fall. Um, and we didn't have like, we didn't have a really good hockey program or a hockey situation with where I, where I grew up. So I kind of didn't really get into that until later, uh, until I got closer to high school, um, which was a rough transition when you're, you know, trying to play with kids that have been skating for a decade and you're like wobbling around like a, like a four-year-old trying to figure out how to skate. Uh, but you're, you know, 15 or 16, uh, was, was a little bit tough, but, um, but yeah, I mean, hockey, like I was not anybody's idea of a good athlete. Like I, I, you know, enjoyed, enjoyed sports, still enjoy sport, but, um, hockey. And I guess I played a little bit of golf, but again, it wasn't good at, I wasn't good at either of them. Um, but, uh, hockey was my, if I, if you were to say what, what sport did you like, it was hockey, even though it was okay. only a handful of years in high school that I played hockey, but that was, that was my, my, uh, that's, that's the sport that I probably, I guess, stuck with the most, or at least was the latest, everything else kind of went by the wayside by that point. Yeah. And, and hockey in Michigan is kind of like, they just kind of go together. My best friend is from the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whenever the pond froze over, she was out there playing hockey and she yeah. would say like back in the day, the like local hockey players, like for the Red Wings, they were just your average guys like living in the area. And sometimes they would just like come out and like shoot around with you for a little bit. Um, her hockey stories are some of my favorite. Yeah, we were, we were an outdoor team which, which sounds great, except like, yet yeah, it was the, it was always the two extremes. It was very rare that it was ever like just nice because it was either you'd have that one day that, you know, you had that one seventy-two degree day or whatever the other day, but like, we'd have that one day where it was 36 degrees and the sun shone in January and the ice melts. And then, <laughs> then it takes yeah. six weeks to get the ice back. Um, or it would be negative 14 with a 30 mile an hour wind chill or 30 mile an hour wind. So your wind chill is now negative 20. And it's like, well, like, the ice is good. Like you better get out. You like, so you're, you're dressed like the, the kid from the, uh, the Christmas story just out there. Just, just, you can't even hardly move. You got so many layers on trying to, to stay warm. Uh, and especially when you're like a, a bench warmer, like, like, like I was, um, you're not skating enough to really generate much, much heat. So you were just, you're like, you weren't even warming the bench. You were just cold on the bench. Um, with the wind just tearing through, it was, there were some rough, rough days, uh, weather wise, but you know, I guess, you know, makes for good stories 30 years later. So. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause there was no under armor or like the really oh, yeah. good stuff. Oh. The thin, the thin, it was just layers. six, six layers of like that faded yellow that used to be white long johns that, you know, like you had your pair and then you put your dads over top. And then yeah. it was just like, it was just, you know, took, it took you so long to get undressed because you had so many layers underneath all your equipment. It was, it was a mess, but you had to make sure you went to the bathroom before you even oh. thought about getting dressed. Otherwise. Yeah. You, you wait till the game's over. Cause you, there's, <laughs> there's no way you're stripping back down. It wouldn't happen. So, um, I also saw that you're doing, um, let me see if I get it right. You're, you're trying your quest for 50. Mm, yes. How is that? How is that going? Um, slowly. Uh, yeah. it, it, I, and I guess I can, I can, sort of passed the buck to the, the pandemic slowing things down, um, a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to run a marathon in every state now. That's, that's, uh, was one of those goals that kind of came to, to fruition. Once, once I kind of started wrapping my head around running and like having a little bit of success with the, you know, at least having a positive experience with the half marathon, things like that. Um, I said to my wife, like, you know, apparently there's people that run a marathon in every state. Like, again, at that point, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and, um, it's like, that sounds like that would be kind of cool and a good, good way to travel a little bit and, mm-hmm. and see the country. And, and 
my wife was like, yeah, sounds good. As long as, you know, the only condition is I get to come with you, you know, we, we'll travel together for some, for, for most of these. And so, um, I said, yeah, sounds good. And, and that was, I don't know, but started in probably 2012. Cause my, my third marathon was in South Carolina. And that was like the first outside of, of Florida to kind of tick a, a second, a second box or a second state off the list. Um, and so now, you know, what we are 10 years, 10 years later, I, I'm at 11, I think, um, done a few, obviously the last couple of years haven't, haven't had any because, uh, not necessarily totally due to the, the pandemic. Cause obviously there's been some races, you know, a little bit more recently, but, um, just, just, you know, it, it but I'm not a planner in case that mm-hmm. hasn't come through. Like I'm like my, my, my type B minus scenario. And so like, I'm not one that looks, you know, six months ahead or eight months ahead. And is like, Oh, here's a race that we should go do. It's more of like spur of the moment. Um, but the problem is like, you don't just take a random spur of the moment trip to, you know, wherever to, to Montana or to New Hampshire or wherever the case might be. And so it's just kind of like, oh yeah, I should probably plan a trip. And then, well, who knows? And then once the pandemic hit, it was like, you can't really plan things because who knows? And, and, yeah. um, so now hopefully, um, there's a loose, a very loose, like for me, it's, a, it's more planning than I've done in a while, but loose plan to, to get back on track this year and, and maybe head up to, uh, Vermont for a race in October. Um, don't ask me what race it is. Cause I can't remember the name, but, um, one of those, you know, athletes that I coach who lives in, in Vermont and gotten to know her and her family well over the years. And she's like, you know, I mean, you got a place to stay if you guys want to come up here and it'd be a, a good fall break, get away from Florida in October and come to see all the, the colors of the trees and things like that, which, which I can appreciate being from Michigan. And like, yeah. like, you know, know how that can, can look. And, um, so that's, that's loosely planned, which would be, I think at my, my 12th state and kind of hopefully kickstart things going again, but, but yeah, trying to, to get to see the country through, through running, um, no real timetable, but at the same time, like don't want to just assume that 30, 40 years from now, I'll still be going strong. So kind of want to start turning away, you know, a couple, couple of year, maybe something like that loosely over the next, the next decade, at least, um, while my daughter's seven. So she's at a good age now to travel and do some of that stuff a little bit and hopefully help her see the country a little bit and, um, I don't know, just kind of taking it kind of as it comes, but at the same time, trying to be a little more intentional, um, in the next few years to start knocking, knocking away a little bit here and there. There's nothing like new England in the fall. So I'm sure that's going to be a beautiful one. Yeah. Yeah. We, we almost went last year, but it was just kind of, there was just enough hesitation with an uncertainty that it just was like, you know, let's just put it off maybe for another year and, and, hopefully everything stays on the rails, you know, life and work and world, um, which is questionable these days, but hopefully, um, that we can make it happen this fall. I saw a, um, a headline yesterday real quick as I was turning off the TV and it was literally like, um, one of those digital images of an Omicron variant and a Delta variant converging. And I was like, Nope, turning this off. Yeah. Turn that off. (laughs) Don't need that negativity in my, in my life today. No, no. I always say the only thing I want, the only negativity I want in my life is negative splits. And I, (laughs) I turned it off. I was like, Nope. No, I don't need to see this mutant. Um, So does your daughter go to, um, I mean, I guess it's been a while since you've had like a big race. So has she seen any of these races? And the reason I ask is because Iz loves watching the races. And even my mom, who's in her seventies, she just loves, she's, she walks a lot and she likes being active. Um, but she loves going to the races and just being around people and cheering and screaming. They enjoy the energy. 
Yeah, she's been to a, been to a few of them. Um, it's it's I don't race that often, uh, so it's, it's not like she has lots of of opportunities. But most of the local races that I've done over the last the last handful of years, um, especially the trail races, which you know, for those that don't do a lot of trail running, not that I do a lot, but the, the little bit I've done, it's it's so, so much more laid back than uh, a lot of the road races, especially the bigger the bigger road events. Um, and so the the times that I've done trail races. Um, she's been not only there, but also typically runs the last little bit oh. with me, um, which, which is cool. Uh, you know, the, the first time was, was gosh, I don't know what it was four or five years ago now when she was, I guess it was not five cause she was, wouldn't have been two, but she was probably three or four. So I guess it was three or four years ago. Um, but she like ran like the last, you know, hundred yards of a, of a half marathon with me. That was a trail race. And, uh, this past December we did, a. um, put a, a Ragnar, a trail Ragnar team together. Cause there's a, a trail Ragnar event. That's like 30 minutes from, from my house. And so her and my wife came over on Saturday morning, Friday night into Saturday race. And they came over uh, Saturday morning to spectate. And I was running one of the ladder legs. And so um, she was waiting by the, um, by where the course was that she could jump on and then ran like the last hundred yards or what, again, whatever, a couple hundred yards, whatever it was. So, so she's done, a, a, done those a couple of times. Um, trying i'm trying to not push her to be yeah. you know to like if she wants to run cool if she doesn't want to run cool like lord knows when i was seven the, the last thing i wanted to do was run but i also wasn't really exposed to it at that time but um but yeah she's kind of dipped her toes into it a little bit they've done the mile run at school a couple of times and and um she's done well there so so i don't know maybe there's some seeds planted but uh but but she enjoys i think she enjoys the the hoopla of the finish line um, which is perfect. I mean, she can just jump in and run for the last quarter mile or whatever with me, like, like that, that works out well. And she gets to be excited and I get to be excited that, uh, the little ones running with me. So, you know, one day maybe we'll start and finish together. Uh, but, uh, right now that's still, still a ways off. Yeah. That's really cool though. And I feel like, um, even, even if they don't become runners, at least they're seeing us do something for right. ourselves. Um, right. and that we can, you know, me personally, I, think it's important for is to see me be my own person with my own goals too. So, yeah. And it's, it's cool. And I think that my daughter has seen this. I, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if I really asked her, but like, you know, that it's just a normal thing to do on Saturday yeah. is to get up and go for a run. And like my wife goes for her long runs on Sunday. And it's just like a normal, like, that's just what you do is you get up and you go work out. And again, whether it's running or whether it's yoga or whether, whatever mm -hmm. it is, but like you do something active, like that's part of being a healthy person. And so hopefully, hopefully we're at least showing her that whether it's running that takes off or, or something else, there's just being active and being healthy is important. Exactly. Or maybe she'll take up hockey and show you up. <laughs> oh, that would be, that would be a okay with me. That would be all right. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, well, thank sure. you for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I enjoyed reciprocating because you got to, you got to hear my stories. It's been really fun to, to hear your story. Um, I think, you know, we, we have kind of like the same energy. I'm not sure that I'm a type B minus, I'm maybe an A minus, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely go with the flow. So this was a lot of fun. Well, thanks, Sonia. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, definitely, uh, you know, had a, had a blast. So thanks for, for letting me uh, come on and, and flap my app for a bit. I appreciate it. hope you enjoyed this last episode of Running on Optimism with Denny Cray. I had so much fun chatting with him, just like I did the first time in the reverse when I was on uh, Diz Runs Radio. If you want to get in touch with Denny, all of his information is in the show notes. 
Um, I'll have his website there, his Instagram, and any which way to get in touch with him. And as always, if you like what you hear, let me know. Want to hear something else? Also let me know. And if you want to chat with me for Running on Optimism, shoot me an email at runningonoptimism at gmail.com. 